Hi, folks, it's Rick Wilson, and welcome to The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. We're here to have fun, sharp conversations with some of the smartest people in media, politics, business, and science that help make what's happening in the country and the world clearer. I'll try to keep Rick to the minimum number of F-bombs and try to keep our kids, pets, and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers. It's night four of the Democratic National Convention, and we're all a little punchy. Rick Wilson, thoughts? Look, I think that there were moments of weird adjustment to this new virtual conventioning thing that were could be said to be a little cringy here and there, but I think that they managed to get to the X, as they say, and produce what was a presidential address by Joe Biden. And he came out there and did a real speech that sounded like a president. It blew up the bullshit trope from the Republican Party and from the Trump campaign that Biden is some doddering senile old man. You can't take him anywhere. And he came out there and he's tore the goddamn bark off Donald Trump. He expressed more compassion for the American people and what they're going through than Donald Trump has managed, uh, you know, in, in four years in office. I thought it was, I thought, I thought his speech tonight, you know, the guy waited a long time to get there, but he got there and he took, took his best swing. And I think he did very well. Um, we have with us Aswin Supsang, who is the senior White House correspondent for the Daily Beast, also known as Swin. Swin is also the author, along with Lachlan Marquet, of the book Sinking in the Swamp, How Trump's Minions and Misfits Poisoned Washington. It is a great read, by the way. My general thoughts of the past four days is that it was the best PBS telethon I've seen since the one I saw when I was a kid when public broadcasting held an event to say, donate here or, or else we'll publicly execute Elmo. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, I, 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 yes, there were a bunch of cringy moments, but I mean, I don't think next week when Trump holds like a four-day MAGA fest to have like people come out to say why they brandished their guns incorrectly in front of a mansion, they Listen, no, nothing's going to nothing's going to be cringier next week than Donald Trump and Melania doing a skydive in fat Elvis costumes down onto the National Mall. Yeah, that's going to that's going to be peak cringe. I'm pretty sure. Just to get back to Biden for one more second, because it was really a good speech, and we were all really worried because the Trump has been able to shape this narrative, even though it's not true. And I think that we should be talking about that a little more. It's like Biden wasn't out there enough. And- I mean, sure, he's shaped. A- narrative, but to the degree to which it's actually permeated in national consciousness, it's like, yes, every single person who watches Fox News or logs on to Facebook to see memes about why the Democrat pedophiles are taking away your children, of course. But poll after poll after poll showing that if he has shaped the narrative for the majority of Americans and polled Americans, the majority of them seem to consistently not care, at least right. up until this point. So it, it, there are certain times where the fear ingrained into certain people by the fact that Trump did manage to win in 2016 because Hillary Clinton shit the bed. I think they overestimate some of his persuasive powers. It's not as magical as the president thinks they are. He's been saying Joe Biden's, you know, shaky, he's senile, he's got dementia. If Trump goes out there and doesn't deliver or we have another ramp moment or water moment, I think they've kind of set themselves a little bit of a minefield if, if Donald goes out and, and does a Donald. But those are the only speeches where 
the president does deliver when he goes out there and entertains the hell out of the crowd. And he's basically a bad stand-up comic from right. the 80s. Whenever he sticks to the teleprompter, I'm sorry, I, I guarantee you, majority just don't remember it a day after it happened. Right. There, there's when, but and the thing is, when Trump is on the when when Trump is on the prompter, the only truth is in the asides, where he'll occasionally pop out of the speech and say, "Well, everyone tells me I have a gigantic penis, and that's true." And then he'll go back to the speech. It's like always this random, weird shit. I think he feeds off that crowd energy in a way that Biden showed tonight. He doesn't really need it in the same way Trump does. Well, Biden's not a sociopath, too. I mean, can we get back to the most important news of the day now? Okay, I, 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 will, I will say this. Two, three, three things in the programming tonight I think really stood out for me. The John Lewis piece was as moving and as inspirational as you could hope yeah. for. Yeah, but he's Absol- very, I mean, he's a- of course. But civil it, rights hero. I mean, what are the Republicans going to do? They don't have any civil rights heroes. Diamond and Silk, Molly. I mean, they were not Candace marching o- as Selma. Candace, o- Candace Owens is going to be up there to own the libs. But it's true. Isn't, that, have, isn't that the peak of Martin Luther King's dream, owning the libs? I, I, now, I think the other thing that stuck with me was watching that kid, Braden. Yeah. Donald Trump insults people with disabilities and mocks them on stage. Right. Joe Biden recognizes a kid with a stutter and takes the time to help him based on his own painful experience. Right. It's true. I just have to say this. I mentioned this on my live stream a minute ago. I await the discovery of whatever MAGAs mock that kid online because I am going to stomp the ever-loving fuck out of them. That kid, that kid, that 13-year-old kid had more balls going out there tonight than Donald Trump has inflated his entire chicken shit life. I love that fucking kid. Yeah, no, he was great. And finally, I'm going to be really contrarian. Michael Bloomberg went out there and just stuck a goddamn shiv in Donald Trump. It was some sweetness. You've got to admit, you may, you may have. I, I I'm a little shocked because I feel like Bloomberg is not your man but with the gun. L- l- he went out there tonight and he popped a cap in Trump's ass. It was a thing of beauty to watch because you know the one thing about Mike Bloomberg that Donald Trump hates and can never ever get over is that Mike Bloomberg could lose his wallet and it would be more than Donald Trump's net worth. Mike Bloomberg has more fucking yeah. change in his couch than Donald Trump's net worth. You know that's why Trump was rage tweeting about him. I mean, I don't love Bloomberg for any number of reasons, but I did think it would get Trump crazy, which is, I think, certainly a valuable part of his But I, I also think Democrats need to wa- listen to that speech of, of, that Bloomberg gave tonight, and that was a beautifully constructed indictment of Donald Trump. Right. It was a very well-written speech, which you would hope, because he has a gazillion dollars. Swin- so, so much of what has dominated the past four days of the Democratic convention has been warm and fuzzy feelings. I'm not saying that as a knock, especially uh, with regards to the kid who, as Rick pointed out, uh, bravely went up there in front of a national audience of millions. But so much of it, and this is true with various Republican and Democrat conventions, it's not exclusive to the 2020 Democratic one, is about surface level arguments and talks about kindness and the soul of America, which, fine, whatever, all well and good. I'm obviously not the target audience for it. that. But a lot of it seems to be divorced, at least to me, from larger discussions of actual policy, which, and obviously I'm not saying that there was a discussion of policy tonight in Biden's speech and other people's speeches and other segments 
of Thursday night segment of the convention. But at the end of the day, my interpretation of the past four days, so much of what we saw and heard is in and of itself an indictment of what a lot of progressive activists have been saying and still say to this day is a problem for them with uh, Team Biden and the Biden campaign. D- to get on to one area, Paul? Not to be an asshole here, but I, I think, and I am much more progressive than Biden, but I do think the Democrats are not trying to appeal to the progressive base here. Well, which is strange. No, you? it's not. No, Swin, it's not. Those people, we, we, all the polling tells us the progressives will crawl over broken glass to vote against Trump. The, the national numbers uh, where the progressives live are not in the target electoral college swing states. They're trying to get to those those union white union male Democrats in Ohio and Pennsylvania and places like that. that oh, no, no, and I, I, yeah. I understand that. I'm not making a tactical or strategic argument or why I think it is necessarily incorrect, especially if in a couple of months' time Joe Biden is suddenly president-elect. I mean, I, I'm not making an argument as if I was trying to put on a strategist hat or anything. All I'm saying is that to zero in on just one aspect, when you talk about the part of Biden's speech where he mentions uh, strengthening and preserving the Affordable Care Act. Okay, but as has been brought up numerous times, especially since the Democratic primary, you do that and you will inevitably still have millions of Americans falling through the cracks of right. a, 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 a tealated American uh, health care system. And okay, I, I understand no, it. Joe true. Biden is not a socialist. He's not a Democrat socialist. He's not any People want a public option. That has been polled. There should be a public option. Sure. But when you talk about Biden's candidacy over the past year or so, I don't think it's a controversial opinion to say that there has been a a, a deficit showing how you will account for all of these people who various other campaigns, not just Bernie Sanders, but others have pointed out ad nauseum, could be left behind by your policy policy prescriptions. I hope I'm proven wrong if he it does become president, but there seem to be vaster structural changes that I'm sorry, the team Biden and Joe Biden himself have not been willing to address or tackle that underscores why if you are a progressive or even if you are a liberal, it is important to, to hold his feet to the fire as much as possible, because that is what gets Democrat presidents to lean further into what we would call liberal or progressive or whatever democratic policy. I mean, look look at Trump during the 2016 campaign. Right, he promised he, everything. He went around saying, oh, Planned Parenthood is also great in a lot of ways. And then a huge chunk of the rabid Repu- Republican voting base in the forms of evangelicals and Christian right voters came out and said, we will vote for you in droves if you when you are in power, give us what we want. And lo and behold, he did. He couldn't He couldn't be anything less of a friend to Planned Parenthood once he got in the Oval Office. And it's because a highly energized part of the Republican base that was going to vote for him anyway held his feet to the fire. And I don't understand why people say when liberal activists or leftist activists try to do that to Team Biden that, oh, all of a sudden they get accused of wanting Trump. That's not how politics works in this country and movement politics and never has been. Hey, sleepyhead. Why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal. You should try a nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in. 
as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. Want to get safely back to business during COVID-19? I sure do. There's an app for that. iAuditor by Safety Culture will help keep your coworkers and customers safe. It's a simple safety checklist and inspection app that anyone can learn within minutes. I personally love checklists because I'm a little OCD. It allows you to do things like follow CDC guidelines, very important, complete COVID-19 safety inspections, also super important, maintain an audit trail, and stay safe. There are hundreds of preloaded checklists available to download for free. iAuditor is the world's largest safety checklist app with more than 600 million checks completed per year. Visit safetyculture.com to download your free checklist today. The New Abnormal is going to release a limited run series of bonus interviews over the next few weeks. Starting in August, we'll release a new one each Sunday. But listen carefully, only Beast Inside members will have access to these. So head over to newabnormal.thedailybeast.com to join now. Your Beast Inside membership helps support the great reporting at The Beast and podcasts like The New Abnormal. Thanks. All right, folks, I know you've been waiting for this all day if you've been watching the news, and I've held it out as long as I can in the show. But I've got one, one quick announcement first that I think will make you happy. Obviously, as you all know, we are required by state and federal law in every show to have our famous segment, Fuck That Guy. Next week, it's going to be Fuck That Guy every day of the week. Monster, fuck that guy. (laughs) Except, except Rick, if they do something... That's good. That's fine. Whatever you, whatever you say. <laughs> Molly, um, Molly, can I can I no, ask you a question? Rick. Where were you this morning? I was uh, I was in front of my television watching a moment that I had have long dreamed you know, of. You were in Manhattan, and I was in Florida, and Steve Bannon was in Long Island Sound, resting com- resting comfortably <laughs> in a in a berth in a in a fabulous stateroom on a hundred and fifty foot yacht owned by a Chinese exile billionaire. And soon, his slumber was interrupted by the sound of helicopters overhead, of fast boats approaching, of, of, of trained Postal Service inspector SWAT team members fast-roping down to the deck. Okay, I made that part up. They went up a, they, they went up yeah, a ramp on the say. back. <laughs> but, I like, but when I write the movie, when I write the movie version, they're going to fast-rope onto the boat. He was shaken from his slumber, dragged from his, from his nest of newspapers that he had licked into a cocoon-like shape and wrapped around himself at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's what happened. But In his we'll typical hobo shitlord. My favorite fuck that guy of all time is the guy who most deserves the fuck that guy, probably walking on the face of the earth. It's the gristle Icarus. It's the whiskey necromancer. It's Steve fucking Bannon, the human skin tag, a gigantic sack of bile that walks on two legs. So, so today, Steve Bannon was arrested on Swin. Can you talk to us about exactly what Steve Bannon was arrested for, and some of the sort of fascinating well, details? He, he was arrested in what uh, Feds are alleging is basically a fraudulent scheme uh, to defraud donors who were contributing to an effort, uh, allegedly trying to erect. As a um, as a private enterprise, as opposed to one of government or the Trump administration, a uh, border wall 
on the southern border. And what the feds are alleging is that instead of actually uh, raising a whole bunch of money from larger swath of donors, then that that money, instead of instead of going to actual construction of a wall between the United States and Mexico, it went straight into the pockets of the people leading this "We Build the Wall" effort, yeah, namely uh, people such as Steve Bannon, and it helped enrich themselves. I would just like to say before we get into that, both Junior and Junior's girlfriend both endorsed the Build-A-Wall charity. Oh, no, not just Junior and Junior's girlfriend. Donald John Trump endorsed the Build-A-Wall charity, according to Trump bestie Chris Kobach. A piece of video... A, a, a piece of video came out tonight of Chris Kobach saying, I just got off the phone with the president, and he wants the media to know this project has his blessing. I mean, don't forget your best friend, Louis Gomer, too. Oh, wait, Louis is involved and in this, Sher- too? And Sheriff Clark. Hello. Well, Sheriff Clark, we expect. But Louis, my birthday twin, Congressman COVID, I did not know that. Yeah, And to be fair, if Chris Kobach is telling the truth, which is always, you know, a a gigantic, colossal if. But if he wasn't a thousand percent bullshitting there, I can't think of an easier thing to do than at the inception of this alleged scam to jump on the phone with your buddy, President Trump, and Mm -hmm. tell him about an effort to build the wall, and then to get him to say something to the effect of, ah, yes, good, you go do that. Getting Trump to endorse, a reporter recently got Trump to basically endorse QAnon. Like, yeah, I know, I yeah. know. It's it's it's, it's the madness. It, it's uh, not it's not hard. <laughs> no, it's not hard. But this was clearly something that Team Trump World was really involved in. I mean, no. Once Junior gets involved, there's it's not just some rando assembly of of a couple of nutcases. It's this this felt very much like on brand and and semi official. I'll quickly read you the statement Amanda Miller, spokeswoman for Donald Trump Junior. Uh, sent over earlier today. Don gave one speech at a single We Build the Wall event over a year ago with a group of angel moms, and besides that, has no involvement with their organization. He never gave them permission to use him as a testimonial on their website and was unaware they included him as one until today's media reports about it. His previous praise of the group was based on what he was led to believe about their supposed intention to build the wall on our southern border, and if he and others were deceived, the group deserves to be held accountable for their actions, end quote. I will remember you. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, he was just a coffee boy. He was a a volunteer. They barely knew him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that is so on brand for these scales. It just, it's so perfect that they really believe that anyone, any rational person is going to buy that. It just, it's, it's striking. But you know what was interesting today? I don't know. Did you see that press conference or whatever that was today that he, he talked about? I thought it was interesting. He, you know, he's so divorced from reality. He said, well, we have the wall. We have 300, but, you know, he just, I wonder, like, the whole thing now is that he just pretends he's done the thing he never did. And I wonder if that works. 500 miles of wall have been built. Uh, what? Yeah. (laughs) 
That's what he said. You know, and no one's been better to the to the Kurds than we have. And we also he said today that we seized all the oil in Iran and now we have it and we're not sure what we're going to do with it. You know, look, the, the, this this post rational world of Trumpism where where these folks really part of it. If you talk to these people, they'll say in part, yeah, it's bullshit. But, you know, fuck you. I'm owning the libs. And I think that's really kind of all he's got right now is is the oppositional defiant disorder gang doing his bidding, even though they know he's going to lose or they feel he's going to lose and they, they're sick of defending it. But but the only game they have left is to say it's the it's the libtard media. Like so much of the conservative movement nowadays is and has for a long time been devoted to lib owning. Like, yep. which right. is, yes, you can, you have a patina of nobility when you get to say no it's in the form of policy or actual political action where uh we want to try to make life better for americans uh on a whole host of issues etc etc but at the core of it uh there is a deep regard for making your enemies suffer both on a political sometimes otherwise uh level and i'm not saying that's exclusively a republican or conservative phenomenon but the overflowing presence of liberal tears is is of course a hugely motivating factor and it's it's a motivating factor for the right that i can remember as long as i've been alive and able to figure out what politics are i mean uh who who were the republican heavy hitters was it newt gingrich who hosted uh barbecues and fundraisers that involved spotted owl meat. (laughs) (laughs) Spotted owl. I remember the spotted owl. You, you, Rick, you probably hosted some of those barbecues. (laughs) No, I'm one of those Teddy Roosevelt Enviro Republicans. Molly, did you know what my other favorite thing after Steve Bannon being in federal custody today was? I think I do, but It's the fact that Donald Trump um, got his shit slapped in a federal court today in New York when he was trying to prevent the uh, production of his documents that the Supreme Court has already ruled need to be produced for Cy Vance with a legitimate subpoena, which he has. And now Cy Vance is going to finally, after whatever agony we've had to go through, get Donald Trump's taxes. Um, he has seven days to produce the taxes. I expect a fire at Mazar's anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> Swin, have you covered? Um, have you covered much yeah, of that? I'm, yeah, I, I got, had a little bit of a breather today, where I got to dip my toes into covering it a little bit. And one thing that um, was sent our way to the Daily Beast was when I asked uh, various Trump lawyers for their response to uh, today's news. It took, I think, roughly six or seven hours or so, but finally, uh, Trump attorney Jay Sekulow sent along this this, this comment, quote, a notice of appeal and a motion for stay or next, end quote. Boom. That's all I was able to get out of uh, Trump's legal team uh, this. What about his free legal team? (laughs) Did Rudy have anything? I, I think he went on Fox News or somewhere earlier uh, on Thursday to talk about how how bullshitty he, I'm sure, thought it was. But maybe I'm reading into this too much, but it struck me only a little bit because usually even Jay Sekulow, who is obviously more restrained and less extra than a Trump lawyer like a Rudy or a Jenna Ellis, 
might be. Yeah, Jay Sekulow was usually. <laughs> is Jenna Ellis? I have a just a quick aside. Is Jenna Ellis a real lawyer? A, I'm pretty sure she's barred and has a law degree somewhere. Sure, yeah, that counts. And we can get more into Jenna in a moment if you would like. But uh, and obviously, every, every- oh God, you can't. no! I knew that was coming. It's a late oh, night. Rick. It's Rick. It's Rick late, after dark. Late, <laughs> It's less restrained. I, I don't Wilson. condone anything Rick Wilson says after 12 a.m. Eastern. That's a wise policy. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast and he's the Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again on the next episode.